The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Game-Changing Utilities of the Future, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to transform industries. And importantly, they will discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to change the world and run with the game changers, you are in the right place. Let's see what the buzz on the street is. Well, we found a quote from a report by Black and Veatch, V-E-A-T-C-H, their 2017 Smart City Smart Utility Report. Let me read one brief quote that will set us up. Okay, quote, from alternative fuels to electric vehicles, smart cities depend on smart movement of people and goods. Okay, we have a couple of key words in there. Alternative fuels, electric vehicles, the biggie, smart cities. Okay, and moving people and things around. So, smart cities, what makes them tick? I have to preface this by telling you that you are listening to our series game-changing utilities of the future, but we are talking about utilities and smart cities today. We also have a series called Game-Changing Smart Cities of the Future. So there. So what makes smart cities tick today? Well, a lot of people get examples of innovative scenarios of how cities are digitally transforming how they run. We think of utilities-based municipal waste and environmental services. Come on, you've heard about electric mobility, um, maybe electric cars moving things around, smart grids, yes, 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 and smart bins. A lot is happening in the public common domain area. This affects the residents. It affects the businesses. It affects the people who run the city, the leaders. It affects visitors, everything. However, sounds exciting, sounds even sexy. Wow, we have a smart city. But a lot of cities are not yet on board. Why? They know the potential. They're reading about it. They're listening to shows like this and our Smart Cities themed series we also do. But they're not yet ready to turn potential into practice. Or they've tried not happening so much. Maybe they don't have the right people. Maybe they don't have the right mindset or the budget, other resources. Well, I'm going to just give you a quick overview of the pillars that are considered, must be considered if you want to be a smart city. You have to have an omni-channel citizen experience. We'll talk about this later. You have to harness assets and have Internet of Things. I know we're talking sensors. Yes, you have to have a smarter and engaged workforce smarter in the digital concepts. You have to accelerate your growth innovation of your city and you have to replatform your core business processes. That is a lot to get your arms around. So we have three experts who are going to help us figure it out. And in case you're wondering, our topic today is smart cities, 
digital engagement of citizens and municipal utilities. That wraps it all nicely. Quick shout out to our series sponsor, James McClelland at SAP, who is not on the panel today, but he is listening and he's he's uh, going to send me notes here on our chat and say, yes, ask this. Ask. No, James, we've got everything under control. James has sent us three experts on the topic for the panel today. Let me tell you who they are and then we'll get started with their opening quote. So first up, Mike Eberhardt, Global Industry Principal for the Public Sector at SAP Hybris Software. Welcoming Mike in just a moment. We have Reich Kulina. You may remember him from a couple of weeks ago on the show. He's the Global Lead at SAP for Waste Recycling and Environmental Services. Totally appropriate for this topic. And we're adding a newcomer. In addition to Mike, our other newcomer is Jörg Furchow. He's a utilities expert in the energy and natural resources sector at SAP. So I'm going to circle back to the head of the table. Well, I'll let him think it's the head of the table. It's really a round virtual table. Mike Everhart has sent us a quote from... Mike, I found two sources for the quote. One is Zig Ziglar, and I'll tell everybody who he is in a minute. Another one is Melchor, M-E-L-C-H-O-R, Lim. I did everything humanly possible to find out who he was. There's nothing about him, no bio, no anything. He's just quoted all over the Internet. So we'll go with Zig Ziglar as the source of this quote. Zig Ziglar, Hillary Hinton, Zig Ziglar, an American author, salesman, and motivational speaker. He is considered America's most influential and beloved encourager and believer that everyone could do more, be more, have more, and he founded the Zig Ziglar Corporation in 1977. What does that mean to you if you've never heard of him? Well, he influenced about a quarter of a billion people through his 33 books, including the bestseller, See You at the Top, which sold almost 2 million copies. So here is the quote Mike has selected. We'll just say it's from Zig Ziglar. Difficult roads often lead to beautiful destinations, the best is yet to come. Mike Eberhardt, welcome to Game Changers. How are you? I'm very fine, and thank you very much to, uh, to be on the radio show. I'm very honored because I checked out uh, the podcast from the past and um, excellent people on your show. Thank you very much, and you're one of our excellent people today. We're delighted to have you. So tell me something. Have you read all of Zig Ziglar's 33 books? Have you read any of them, Mike? Just a little sidebar here. I read two of the books, and um, I had the honor, actually, to see him live once in the U.S. Oh, wonderful. So tell me something. This quote, difficult roads often lead to beautiful destinations. The best is yet to come. I think that's a line in many songs. The best is yet to come. It's a Frank Sinatra song. I think James McClellan knows what I'm trying to sing here. No, I won't sing. So tell me something. We're talking about smart cities. We're talking about digital engagement, people, utilities, things, places, goods, everything, all hooked together to be smart. So how does Zig Ziglar's quote relate to our topic today, Mike? Um, it's actually pretty simple. Um, um, everything starts from um, a starting point, and uh, you have to think about the big thing, but you have to start small and you have to grow fast. And um, in the beginning, it looks like not always funny and great, but in the end, the, the outcome is what actually is the driving force for all kinds of activities. Okay, so so what is this part about the difficult roads? How difficult is it? Because, Mike, in my opening, I said some cities may think about being smart. They may have an idea, an inkling, a clue about what it takes. They're either trying and not getting there or they haven't even started yet. So if you wanted to give advice to a city that wants to become smart and you're saying, well... 
beautiful destination. The best is yet to come. How difficult is that road? And I'm not talking about the Long Island Expressway where I live here in New York. How <laughs> difficult is the road to a smart city, Mike? Just a little advice from you. What lies ahead for these cities? For sure, um, the, a city is just as smart as the people. And as more smart people are living in the city, as um, better it is for the city, as more income goes into the tax from the city. And this helps actually to grow the business or grow new technologies, new services to the city. Important is actually as a starting point to think about what kind of services are important for the citizens and not what kind of service do I need in my organization. And this is a good starting point and it's actually pretty simple. Okay, I like the fact that it's simple. That's good news. Oh, somebody just got a text message. Mike, thank you very much. We'll be talking with you a lot more later in the show. And now let's go to our returning panelist, Reich Kalina at SAP. And Reich sent us a quote from Steve Jobs. Reich, I don't know if I told you, but the day Steve Jobs passed away, sadly, on October 5th, 2011, was the day I launched my very first show for SAP. It was called Breakfast with Game Changers at the time, and it since has been renamed shortly after took coffee break with Game Changers. So the day of his passing is a day that is stuck in my memory forever. I'm not going to read the bio. Everybody knows he was an IT entrepreneur and inventor. He founded, co-founder, CEO, chairman of Apple and, and uh, also a CEO of Pixar. You can all look him up, a very revered man who changed the way we think about Imagine what people need before they can imagine what they need and then produce it. And they'll say, wow, I need that. Yes, that was kind of his mantra. So here, talking about his mantra, Steve Jobs, here's the quote Ray Kulina has selected. That's been one of my mantras. Focus and simplicity. Simple can be harder than complex. Ray Kalina, welcome back. How are you? Yeah, I'm fine, Bonnie. And thank you very much for inviting me again to the show. So I'm very happy and to speak with you and my colleagues here about smart cities and the role of municipal waste companies. And uh, the question is not to uh, um, establish all the sensors in the city and create a lot of portals and putting it there, and then the citizens have to search for the right context. So Steve Jobs has created this smart uh, device, uh, and that's the same what uh, smart cities should do. They should as, uh, establish the same equivalent uh, contact for the citizen, uh, converting all the city web pages and the services like apps on one single entry point and then focusing. And uh, re- they should remember that also the first iPhone did not have a lot of functionality that iPhone has today. But mm-hmm. they enhanced it, and uh, like Mike said, this was the starting road. And the road was maybe not so clear like today, but uh, it was uh, today we simply accept this, this change. But this, this mantra was really fundamental, and that should be the fundamental mantra also for smart cities to establish and to start and uh, to create this really smart city that the citizens want to see. 
Thank you, Reg. Very interesting. And and when I think of this part of the quote from Steve Jobs, simple can be harder than complex, I know there's a famous quote by somebody else for, who was many years before Steve Jobs came around to the scene and, and came into our purview. And it was something like, if you want me to write a five-page speech or a one-hour speech, I can do it in a day. If you want me to write a five-minute speech, it'll take me a week because there you go. <laughs> simple can be harder than complex. And I think we all know that because simple means... Well, another word for simple is elegance, an elegant solution. I think all three of our guests have heard that term somewhere in their careers. We talk about software solutions that are elegant, meaning distill it down to the basics and make it simple and sleek and get rid of all the hoo-hoo. Nobody wants that and needs that. So thank you very much, Rake. Really, really important quote for our topic today and looking forward to more from you. And now it's time for us to go to the other side of the table. We're going to speak with our other newcomer. He is Jörg Furchow, and he's, I said, a utilities expert uh, at SAP. And Jörg has sent us a quote from Shakespeare. He was so specific, he told me this is from the play Cariolanus, circa 1607 to 1608, Act 3, Scene 1, Line 200. Now, I'm not going to give a pop quiz to all of our, our listeners <laughs> saying, okay, open your collected works of Shakespeare and tell me what he said in Act 3, Scene 1, Line 200. But Jörg, I am, I'm forever in your debt for doing that. But let me just give a little background. Of course, William Shakespeare uh, I, we don't have an exact date of birth, but he was baptized on April 26, 1564, and died on April 23rd. Well, that's interesting. 1616, English poet, playwright, actor. I didn't know he was an actor. Widely regarded as the greatest writer in the English language and the world's preeminent dramatist called England's national poet and the bard of Avon. Anybody's doing the math. Apparently, his original works that he did by himself and collaborations include 38 plays, one 154 sonnets, two long narrative poems, and other verses, some of uncertain authorship. And now let's get to the play. Cariolanus is a tragedy by Shakespeare, believed to have been written between 1605 and 1608, one of the last two tragedies he wrote, along with Anthony and Cleopatra. It's based on the life of the legendary Roman leader, Caius Marcius Coriolanus. Okay, Bonnie, hurry up and get to the quote. Well, in English, the quote Jürgen selected in English is, the people are the city, but I have the Latin. Jürg, would you per- permit me to just try and stumble through the Latin for a second here? Is that okay? Yes, yeah, sure. Sure. Okay, so it looks it looks like if I got it right, it's sono tre generacion di habitini habitani che governano istato e la repubblica cittadini el artesani ovvero populo menudo. I think that somewhere in there is buried the five words, the people are the city. So, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I try not to sing and I try not to do other languages I'm not familiar with, but, you know, sometimes I can't help myself. Jörg, it's a pleasure to have you talk to me. The people are the city. We're talking about utilities. We're talking about engagement, smart cities. What would Shakespeare say finding out that this quote is in our show today? Tell me. Yeah, so first of all, thank you to be on air with Mike and Reich and you and James, of course. Yeah, I like this quote, uh, first of all, because it's so old, yeah, and it's still valid, yeah. What would be a city without people, yeah? And in former times, it was even a privilege uh, to live in a city, so not everybody got the right to live in a city, and, um, yeah, it was also about security and so on. And uh, you had work there and you had a place to live and you were protected by the city. And uh, these are still 
um, yeah, this is still what every citizen wants uh, is, is still uh, true and still valid. So people live and work in cities. They use its infrastructures, the building and uh, the transportation means and the mobility. Yeah? And, uh, of course, uh, part of this city life is also the interaction, of course, uh, outside the working life, uh, yeah, within the cultural offerings, for example. They um, interact in sports clubs or uh, music theaters or, um, yeah, and so on. Yeah, several things that uh, make a city um, uh, worth living in. <laughs> Very interesting. And, and yes, and that goes to the core of our, our topic. You're making a city worth living in. You said it. That's the people are the city. I think Shakespeare would be thanking you for that add on to it. A city that's worth living in, worth playing in, worth visiting, worth working in, everything. And I think that's what we're really trying to get to is when we talk about smart cities. The second word in the title of this episode is digital engagement. And engagement means bringing together and interacting with. So, Jörg, I think you absolutely hit the nail on the head. Thank you for the great quote. And please, I think I was maybe reading Italian and not Latin. So, whatever it was, I apologize to everyone. But thank you for indulging. Let's go around the table to Mike Eberhardt. Mike, I'm going to ask each of you a cl- up-close and personal question. First of all, where are you calling from? In general, not the address on the front door. And what are you drinking today if it's interesting and fun? If not, what are you playing? to drink after the show that really, really, really makes you smile. So, Mike Eberhardt, talk to me. Where art thou and what art thou drinking? I'm pretending to be Shakespearean. Go ahead. <laughs> um, right now, I'm calling from Vienna, one of the most livable cities in the world, rated, I think, by eight times right now. It is a great city. It is fantastic. And we had a beautiful, warm day today with approximately 24 degrees or 70 Fahrenheit. Um, mm. Yeah, great. Um, I went to the store and I bought um, a bottle of water, but it was not normal water. It was a, a, a bottle of water with elder-flowered cucumber water, what mm. is actually from a spring close by. And they discovered this, this spring uh, 2,000 years ago, and they are still using and they are still um, rep- or bottling the water for the region. Very interesting. Thank you. That sounds fascinating. Does it taste different from other kinds of water you've had? Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, as usual, I drink normal water, tap water, and this is, looks looks funny, and it, um, the taste is funny. <laughs> I, I hope it's not funny water. Okay, we'll just leave, leave that alone. I don't want to how funny it is and what it makes you say and do. Just stick with the, the straight water. That's good. Thank you very much. Ray Kalina, where are you and what are you drinking today? Yeah, so I'm calling from uh, next to our headquarter, so uh, the small city Wiesla. So, and last time I said you the first gas station in the world was uh, there. And that's important for the city, so infrastructure. And you know our headquarters also next to to Mannheim. So uh, in this city, the invention was the car, the bicycle, the tractor, and the spaghetti ice. Uh, so so it's uh, <laughs> very important for the smart city. And uh, Bonnie, I have a quiz today again with me. So try to uh, to see what I'm drinking. So it's not used very often in movies. But James Bond, 
the famous uh-huh. James Bond, uh, yes. smart person, has drink, uh, has to drink and Doctor No. So in that, uh, in that one, and think about the gadgets. That's uh, a little bit also what people think about um, a smart city, but uh, the gadgets are not there. They are simple to use and focused really on uh, on the action in the movie. And it's a transparent drink, really transparent mm-hmm. color. So seems to be that the water utility has a good, done a good job in the smart city, in my smart city. And uh, it, it, if I switch off the light, uh, it can glow in the dark with the fluorescence. <laughs> so a blue color. And think about what is the color of electric mobility. Electric are you talking? Are using yes, go ahead. Blue yep, colors. Yeah. Blue colors. You know, that's, that's the color of, of the new uh, way of mobility <laughs> in uh, cities against fossil fuel cars. And it was used by the British against malaria. So, also health system is very important in a smart city. So, Bonnie, what's, what's the drink that I'm drinking? It's a martini, dirty, with extra olives, shaken and not stirred. No, yeah, tonic water is it. <laughs> Tonic water. (laughs) I was getting all caught up in James Bond here. I was in the chat window with my engineer, and he said, I said martini, and he said dirty with extra olives. So we, Kevin and I are wrong. So tonic water. Well, I'll tell you what, Rake. I'm not happy about any drink that glows in the dark because I'm afraid after I finish it, I'll be glowing in the dark too. So (laughs) I I try to stay away from that kind of thing. But thank you. You always make me guess. And, well, 50, I think I was right last time and wrong this time so I'm batting I'm batting a half of a whatever the percentage is thank you Reich I appreciate that very much you're very charming and now Jörg Virchow I can't ask you to top that I really can't but you can certainly try so Jörg where are you today and what are you drinking so I'm close to Reich actually only a few minutes away I'm close to Waldorf in a small, even smaller town. It's a village, actually. Uh, I'm surrounded uh, by vineyards, but I'm actually also not from that area. So I'm originated from the, originally from the federal state of Bavaria. Yeah, and Bavaria is part of Germany. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was a monarchy before, and we have a very traditional drink, and all of you, especially in the U.S., know the Oktoberfest. Uh-huh. So that's what I'm drinking. So I'm very traditional in there. Uh, so I'm drinking beer, Bavarian uh-huh. beer, yeah, from, a, from a, um, a brewery from Munich. And yeah, this is uh, the brewery is uh, um, in the city of Munich. So uh, on the grounds of Munich, it's very small, but the beer is very good. So um, they, it's hardly to, it's hard to get beer here close to Waldorf from that uh, brewery because it's sold out so many times. Yeah, and for beer you need. Um, Clean water, yeah, and clean mm-hmm. water is not only necessary for brewing beer, but also for um, a city. And, and there need to be ways, of course, to save in many places of the world. Um, um, yeah, you need to even to save water, and you need to do, and you need to find out maybe how to um, how to do that in a smart way. 
Thank you very much. We just got a recipe for good beer. We got a recipe for, well, tonic water that grows in the dark and a recipe for interesting, the recipe for an interesting opening to a show to have a quote from Shakespeare and a quote from Zig Ziglar and a quote from Steve Jobs all in the same five or six minutes on radio. I think that's a recipe for a a very interesting opening. Gentlemen, we're going to give you a 90-second break, and I don't know if I told you or not, but they only let me have water on radio show days. They do not let me near beer. Yorg, and they don't let me near anything that glows in the dark, and I'm not allowed to have anything with caffeine. So I have pure water that went through just a plain old Brita filter in my refrigerator from the tap. We have good tap water here on Long Island, and it's in a clear mug with a pink straw. And the pink is because it is a beautiful, not a beautiful sunny day here, but it is beautiful out. The grass is green. The trees are just just. Oh, green everywhere. And I planted beautiful pansies in my window boxes on my terrace about a month ago. And with the recent rain, the pansies are all crowded together and the colors are blooming and the yellows and the pinks and the whites and the oranges are just a profusion of beautiful color on my my patio. And I'm happy. So that makes me smile and makes me feel like I'm in the pink, if that makes any sense. So I'm going to say to my listeners, we are talking about a serious topic, the digital engagement of citizens and municipal utilities. Utilities. A lot of utilities we're talking about, not just waste management, but how do you move people? How do you move goods? How do you engage Internet of Things? How do you get those sensors working to help make the city smart? How do you do the topic of the day? Everybody's mind is digital transformation, not just for companies, but for cities, too. So we're speaking today with Mike Eberhardt, Ray Kalina, and Jörg Furchow, all of SAP. And a shout-out again to our sponsor, James McClellan, who's listening on the line. James, I hope you're happy. We certainly are. Good conversation here. When we come back, we will start the roundtable off with some topics from Mike Eberhardt's list. So, I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and I'm planning to be when we get back. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. Kevin, out! When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The digital world is moving faster than ever, and the future will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. The definition of future success is being shaped by many factors, such as more digitally demanding employees, customers, and partners, an increasing variety of digital devices, resource scarcity coupled with data abundance, and extensive business networks and complex supply chains. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how the digital world can lead to a better future for everyone. Game-Changing Utilities of the Future is presented by SAP. Visit SAP.com. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Game Changing Utilities of the Future, presented by SAP. 
Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to game-changing utilities of the future. Here we are. We're talking today to Mike Everhart, Ray Kalina, and Jörg Furchow at SAP. Our topic today, even though this is our utility series, we're talking about how utilities engage with our part of smart cities, digital engagement of citizens and municipal utilities. We're going to kick off this part of the roundtable, as I like to say, in earnest, as my mom used to say, uh, with some topics from Mike Eberhardt's list he sent me before the show. I'm going to read a little bit and then ask Mike to comment, and then we will invite Rake and Jörg to chime in and share their POV, their point of view. So Mike told me, he said, the digital economy has impacted the way consumers engage with brands. The same applies to interacting with government agencies. Here's a list of five factors he sent me that would encourage citizen engagement in a smart city. Number one, make it easy for me. Number two, interact with me and treat me like a person. Number three, respond to my life events. Number four, help me understand. And number five, maybe this is the most important one, give me control of my own information. So, Mike Eberhardt, why don't you tell us how this all pulls together? Go ahead. Thank you very much. Um, um, I think it's very simple. Uh, um, We all like to be important. We all like to be in the center of everything. And um, in the last 10 years with smartphones from Apple, from different kinds of vendors, we got a new tool in our hand where we can interact with with, uh, our communities, with our friends. uh, We can shop. We can uh, compare we can review, we can uh, like, dislike uh, services. And the same thing what we, are, uh, what we are getting into in the e-commerce environment uh, where the, the brands uh, and, and the companies realize that they can really sell more with a better service. The same experience we really like to get from government so that, that I feel that my tax money goes into the right direction and that I get a good service out of it. And this is what I expect, this is what I need, and this is also uh, what uh, government has to realize, that today um, the citizen is more in the driver's seat than in the past, and he is influencing also the outcome of the next election. So it is actually um, um, a tail-biting situation for the government. They have to react, they have to respond, and they can actually come up with a simple way to interact with the citizen to serve me even better. Okay. Thank you very much. Let's get Ray Kalina's idea in here. Ray, we have a lot of good information from Mike. You agree with his five steps for engaging your citizens? Yeah, I had the negative example here in Germany. Germany is a rich city and all the smart people living there, but I have a complete opposite uh, perspective while I'm moving to a new house and I had to report mm. my address data to multiple utilities so the grid operator I also informed the gas utility the electric uh, utility the water utility that are different operators and the waste company and uh, they are not perceived as part of the smart city and they're not integrated and even if you think about all your other address data Maybe your beer company, that's not included. So still only the uh, 
It's challenging. Only the part of the city, and uh, I don't have the feeling that they respond to my live events, even that they know that I bought a new house, or they make it not easy for me. And they, uh, the interaction is really technical and not as a person, and make it really easy for me. Interesting. You're scaring me because I'm contemplating moving later this year to another state. And what you just said is saying to me, no, no, don't do it. Listen to Rick. He knows. He's been there. Oh, my. You're scared. Yes, and you're absolutely right. Utilities are what we need, right? We need that power. We need that water. We need that garbage service. We need everything. You're right. That part of the city infrastructure is so important because nothing in our lives can go on the way we're used to if we don't have. Thank you very much, Ray. Good information. Scared the heck out of me. Let's go to Jörg Furchow. Jörg, agree or disagree with the list, and what's your experience with, with what Mike set up for us? Yeah, I fully agree with the list, but I fully agree with, with Reich. So uh, I have the same experience here. Um, everything, not everything, it's improving, but most of the uh, the things are still disconnected. Yeah, and and what what we what I don't want when I'm coming home or when I yeah that I have to deal with all the different. Topics and companies nowadays to save money, they outsource everything to the clients. Yeah, they provide online services, but I don't want to use their online services. I want them to do things for me, and then I just want to be offered. Uh, I don't know a simple thing like, do you want to accept this offer? Yes or no. That's uh, more the we know it from e-commerce. Yeah. And, and this is still missing in administration, yeah? Administration behaves like, I don't know, I wouldn't say like in, uh, in a dictator, <laughs> but uh, it's, uh, I don't know, it, it's still a lot to do. And um, as I heard that um, Mike is in Vienna today, Vienna is far ahead, as I heard. They have a mm-hmm. lot of ways to digitally approach the administration and even have things like digital signatures when you're applying for a new passport, for example. Oh, my. Very good. Oh, my. Very interesting. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. Thank you. You're, uh, Mike, let's just circle around to you and have you briefly comment on what your colleagues on the panel said, and then I'm going to pick up a new topic thread from Rake's List. So, Mike, thoughts? Yeah, um, I agree with both of them, um, especially also the fact is that um, um, e-commerce showed what we can do or what kind of services are around there. Uh, government are always not really the first adapter. Um, and I think um, it, it's just a question of time to they realize that they have to come up with new services. And, um, and, uh, and it's, I think in the next um, three years, we will see quite a lot of changes. I think so. We'll save that for your predictions at the crystal ball part of the show at the end. Thank you very much. <laughs> Reich, you, I, I want to go into uh, the idea of municipal waste management. I think you were the one who mentioned it, and I believe that's part of what, yes, that's what you, you talk about in your expertise. So let's talk about this, a very provocative topic here. Reich says, municipal waste management is sometimes the fleet management operator and garage for city-owned cars. And let's talk about electric mobility and let's talk about changing over the, the trucks and the street sweepers to electric and hybrid. How, how does that happen? So when we say waste management, is it really, a, do they really own the electric vehicles and, and the 
parking and the fueling or the recharging of those. Tell me how important this is, Rake. Yeah, so municipal waste companies are challenged by commercial waste companies in Germany. So they are doing the same service like construction waste containers. So everyone can select the operator. And so they are kept in their limited business model of uh, waste bin collection. And on the other hand, they have really their own waste trucks and need to repair them and to control them. And I have I was recently in contact with one of these customers that also tested hybrid waste trucks, so with uh, partly electric mobility. And uh, so they, they, they are uh, people in the garage, they, are, they are simply have, have the knowledge. And that's really challenging because to implement electric vehicles in the city, you need also the infrastructure that it can be maintained and repaired, and that's not very cheap. The training is not very cheap in Germany. And so it's really also a business model that uh, municipal waste companies expand to that business, and so the idea really of some innovative cities here are to own all the city-owned cars and do a fleet management for all the departments in the city and therefore replacing the classic fossil fuel cars with electric cars and also manage with intermodal mobility so that, uh, so that you, ca- you can reduce your fleet and uh, if, if, if capacity are... Uh, on the limit, and you can also change to public transport for some services, but this needs uh, digital transformation also for the employees of the city and to work together with the municipal waste uh, management company to offer that and to change that way and, and to implement electric vehicles in a city and for the uh, city employees. Very interesting. I had absolutely no idea about that. Jörg, let's get your experience on this. Is this what you've seen in terms of the role of municipal waste companies? I have made a um, different experience with uh, a very good experience, actually, with uh, waste companies just recently. Yeah? Um, there was the, yeah, the weak garbage collection, and then after this, um, yeah, they they basically broke my bin, yeah, in the end. And uh, what I tried to do, of course, they could have called them, but then I went into the social media to see if they have a, a Facebook page. And, of course, they had one. And of, when you are there, you can even try the chat. So I tried it out because that's usually what people do. Um, when they nowadays try to interact uh, with the... I don't know, with their friends and family and so on, and I tried the same. And, and guess what? Uh, I got an Im- intermediate uh, reaction. So just a few minutes later, really? um, I even uploaded, I could upload a, a photo and say, can you repair this or can you send me the spare parts? But now they said, no, we're going to exchange uh, the entire bin. And then thanks for that, uh, your social media team. And then... Uh, yeah, the week after, we just put uh, the bin uh, outside on, at the, on the street, and it was collected, and now I've got a new bin. So um, some are already very advanced, and I think uh, this kind of interaction I would like to see also with other parts of the city administration. Yeah? <laughs> 
I, th- I think we'd like to see more of that here in the States, too. I think I know where I'm moving next. <laughs> Forget about down south. I think I'm coming across the pond and taking a couple of leaps across the lake to join all of you if your city services are that interesting. Mm-hmm. Very good. Um, Mike, love to get your thoughts on this. Um, yeah, I'm living in Switzerland, and Switzerland, um, uh, probably you know, is one of the most expensive countries in the world. And, and also... Um, uh, garbage is expensive. So what they have done is actually they um, you pay approximately three dollars for a, uh, a bag of sixty liters, and um, the, the, the population gets forced to uh, recycle more stuff and to use the the, the the garbage bin as little as possible. And the garbage bin are actually have some of them, the bigger ones, have sensors to check out what kind of or how much? Um, uh, how many? How many bags are already in the in the in the bin? And they come just if if um, if they have enough, or if the the bag is full, then they will uh, stop and 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 take the garbage with them. So um, it is um, government are changing actually, or try to change the mind of the people and forcing them to recycle and to create less garbage. For the bins, and this is an, a different approach, and um, but but I think it's a good one. Very interesting. So they can tell when it's full and they know when to pick it up. Oh, my. You know, sometimes uh, I'm here in New York on Long Island. I don't know if you've ever been here. Where I am is about a 30-minute train ride on the Long Island Railroad into the center of Manhattan, Penn Station, 34th Street and 7th Avenue. That's, That's not uptown. It's not down. It's kind of right in the middle, as far as I can tell. And as I drive here around Long Island... I very often will come to a traffic light that that has a red light, and I'm looking, and there's no traffic coming in any direction, anywhere, and, and you're just sitting there. And then when you have very heavy congestion, that light is on a very tight schedule so that only four or five cars get through, and you're backed up. One and a half miles takes 30 minutes to drive at 5.15 in the afternoon. Can you believe that in this small town? 30 minutes to go, one and a half miles on a one-lane road connecting two major arteries here. Now, I wonder, as I'm speaking to you, I know that a road and traffic lights are not, well, I guess they're part of utilities, but in terms of city infrastructure, wouldn't you think by this time in our lifetime that somebody in municipal services could figure out how to judge the, the traffic congestion on that little Lakeville Road extension a mile and a half so that when it's heavy traffic, they would let a few more cars through. Wouldn't, wouldn't you think, Mike and, and Rake and Jörg, wouldn't you think they would know how to help us move along instead of sitting there for a half hour? Anybody want to comment on that? I'm thinking that the cars are not the garbage flowing in, you know, in terms of capacity, but I'm making a stretch here. Mike, any thoughts on that? Um. It's a difficult topic. Uh, um, everybody likes to get uh, uh, forward as fast as they can. And uh, I think in the future, um, with Internet of Things or with, uh, um, uh, with new technology, with new sensors, this will definitely help to, uh, um, to create a new flow in the city so that uh, everybody can actually drive even more comfortable through the city. Yep, wouldn't that well, be the way? Rake, any any comments from Rake on uh, on helping to move traffic? Yeah, um, garbage trucks are also sometimes the problem for traffic jams. 
in small roles in Europe? Yes, yeah, really. Oh, you and are good. You are really good. That was a beautiful segue. Thank you. Please continue. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, and and the, and the, uh, interesting is, of course, the, uh, the the municipal waste companies know that they are a problem, and really uh, that they are part of the traffic situation. And the interesting part is. Uh, um, you have GPS uh, onboard units in the garbage trucks. You have maybe mm-hmm. sensors on the traffic lights. Putting it into an Internet of Things cloud and then optimizing the traffic. That would be the smart city of the future. It's not having the sensor data only isolated in the municipal-based company. It's combining all the existing data and maybe combining it with weather data so you know we have a partnership with with the European Space Agency for uh, satellite di- data at SAP. So that kind of, of data, or in, in Germany, no, they're open, uh, they're planned to open weather data to be publicly uh, used. So combining uh, snow data and, and uh, weather data and all the data into IoT cloud, and that will help to optimize the traffic. So... Um, computation power is available, the sensor data is uh, sensors, hardware is possible, and creating out of that really a smart city from traffic perspective. Thank you. Wow. Very interesting. Jörg, uh, anything from you? Because I'm ready to pick some statements here from your notes. We have a little more time. Jörg, any comments on yeah. traffic and uh, garbage trucks? I bet you do. Go ahead. Yes, traffic easily. I guess whenever autonomous driving will come, and uh, the connected vehicles, so we will not only have uh, a reduction in cars, because uh, mm-hmm. a car will not be somewhere at a parking lot, but it will be used all the time. It's a moving asset. It's going to be used all the time. And uh, an example would be that uh, when, you, when it brought you to work, yeah, you can... Um, allow them to be part of public transport. So you could even uh, let the car pick up other people and you would even earn money for that or not even people, but also goods. Yeah, you could transport some, uh, some things from uh, Amazon, for example, and deliver it uh, to wherever you want it to deliver. So maybe you don't even have to work then because you just need to buy an autonomous driving <laughs> car and it can do a lot of things for you. Very interesting. I'm, I'm remembering I was making a note to my engineer here in the, ch- in the uh, Skype chat that we recently covered the topic of traffic and stress cure on our series, The Future of Cars with Game Changers, how appropriate we've gotten into that. And uh, what's interesting is the New York Times wrote an article recently that was the, the, the stepping off point for, for a part one and part two on this particular series. You may know Larry Stoley at SAP, the car guy, and he sponsors that show. Mm-hmm. And we talked about will congestion pricing and will a new business model charging people to be on the road help uh, will something like autonomous cars help where you can have cars more efficiently moving around and maybe as you just said you're they're doing errands for you and we came up with the notion I think you'll all get a kick out of this that maybe it's the business model of companies that still insist their workers go to an office and the offices let out between 5 and 6 p.m. all at the same time and people have to get home on the same roads and that creates traffic so forget about the congestion pricing forget about the autonomous cars just stop making people go to an office <laughs> and it was really kind of an 
Elegant Solution. Jurg, I want to make sure in the next couple of minutes before we go to our crystal ball that we cover something from your notes here, although you've been doing a good job of bringing a lot in. Um, let's talk about, um, you say 60% of the world's populations are expected to be living in urban areas by 2030. Yes. Citizen mm-hmm. participation, you say future-oriented city services need to reinforce the relationship with their consumers. Chat clients mm-hmm. like WhatsApp, Facebook Messenger, or Telegram establish a simple, cheap, and easy way to communicate. So tell me a little bit about how this would work with, with the infrastructure and with utility companies. How would you, how would you, uh, you just gave an example, I think, or one of our other panelists did. Anything you want to do to wrap this up before we go to predictions? I'm opening it up to you, Jörg. I don't know. I, 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 I thought we already covered this. Um, maybe the last thing we didn't cover so far so is, is more the, the business models for the utilities. Uh, okay, let's do that. I have that in my notes, too, and I didn't that. get down that far. You're absolutely right. Talk to me about the business models that need to be reimagined. Yeah, the business model, for, as we talked about um, electric mobility, and we just before Christmas, we had a session with a lot of customers, and our utilities are turning more and more into service uh, companies, yeah, and um, the issue is they 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 want to eat, uh, to offer complex uh, services like electric mobility, and um, yeah, the threat here is um, that they need to orchestrate multiple service providers uh, in a business network. So business network is all the. The, the other companies that work for the utilities, and you can imagine, um, take the electric mobility example, this might be the, the car manufacturer, this might be the infrastructure provider for providing the, the charging spots, and um, it might be um, yeah, companies like Uber. Um, so once uh, there's a failure in charging and the electric car will not be able to take you to the office the next day, mm. um, when you wake up, um, you need to uh, uh, be able to, to have somebody there to bring you to the company. And that could be um, Uber. And for utilities, it's very difficult um, nowadays um, without... Uh, uh, proper software to get this done, yeah, and, uh, and and for the end user, it needs to be simple, yeah. He he should not see the complexity what's that's behind, but he should um, be uh, the the service he consumes should be easy to consume, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's it. And then other business model for utilities, of course, it's uh, much more interesting is that um, now in times where um, regenerative energies like wind and solar power are coming up more and more. You have sometimes periods where you have too much energy in the grid, so you need to get rid of it. And of course, um, electric vehicles would be uh, moving batteries, yeah, moving storage capacity, where, where you could easily feed in overcapacity in the grid and so make the grid more stable. Yeah. Very interesting. Thank you. Yes, I did see that reimagining business models, and it's so important. Let me ask you a question. Uh, we're just about at our crystal ball. Jörg, since I have you on the line right now, the question is, are city leaders aware of this? Is this breaking news? Are they tuning into the show and saying, oh, my, reimagining our business models, that's something we need to sit down with our city council and talk about? Or is has the news spread around the world that smart cities as a model are a model that really whose time has come? What's your point of view on that, Jörg? 
maybe uh, cities um, are similar to utilities, um, so they are not moving fast. So I guess the majority is not uh, very, very future oriented. Maybe it's not true for every city. Because this is now a hype topic as well, and uh, mm-hmm. even close by to Heidelberg, we can see there was a contest, or there's still a contest going on. So uh, little cities we have here uh, in Germany, basically, and uh, can get money to start projects. Yeah, uh, and, and and everybody has a different focus, of course, um, and depending what uh, the major major issues of a cities are of a city are. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I guess this is um, moving slowly, like electric mobility as well, by the way, but it yeah. will become a topic for the next uh, couple of years, for sure. You know what? I think you just gave me your prediction, so I'm going to circle. Thank you. Uh, yeah. You gave me your 60-second <laughs> prediction. We just started the crystal ball, whether we knew it or not. Mike Eberhardt, I have 60 seconds for you. <laughs> what do you see in the future, if you could focus around the year 2020, a little before, a little after, what will change about engaging citizens in the digital engagement of a smart city as well as municipal utilities reimagining their business model being more part of the fabric being more mo- more mobility oriented dealing on a more human basis and making the residents feel included and engaged with and spoken to in an easy way mike what do you see 60 seconds um yeah you covered more or less everything already so um yes um but, um the politician will explore the, the citizen or the voters, and uh, and I think the biggest boost will always be um, close to the next election. Uh, in the most of the country, we have every four years, and um, and uh, in in the third year, they will start actually to come up with new services. What is what is going to impress the population, so that they get re-elected again. And um, and yes, uh, by 2020, we will see quite a lot of uh, movement in front of elections. Thank you very much. Yes, it does tend to be, talk about engaging residents, it does tend to be election-driven very often. We we never know what we're going to get, period, end of sentence. Let's go to Ray Kalina. Ray, I saved 60 seconds for your prediction. What do you see in the crystal ball? So in the crystal ball, I see a digital assistant like Siri or Alexa, and I can ask uh, uh, Siri, yeah, uh, I moved to a new house, please change all my address data. Uh, or a theory, please order me a construction waste container and it manage me or order a new passport and you can ask the digital assistants, whatever company offers the best in that place or, the, or all the assistants about the city service and you don't have to care about if it's a utility in the city, your utility or a municipal-owned company and you can ask simply the digital assistant. Mm, okay, lot to talk about, a lot to think about. Jörg Furchow, I can give you another 45 seconds for your prediction since I kind of surprised you with that. So, Jörg, <laughs> I'll give you 45 seconds. What's your final prediction, your final word? Go ahead, Jörg. My final prediction is uh, maybe uh, this is in contradiction what what I've uh, said beforehand that uh, many, many people will live in major cities uh, it's, uh, I see that quote uh, many times on slide decks, but uh, with all these 
technology, uh, technological uh, progress, yeah, I even see a future on the land at the la- in the in the la- um, outside the cities, basically, because if you have all the infrastructure, if you have self-driving cars that bring you anywhere, anytime, yeah, you can even uh, I see the slogan from our car manufacturer. BMW will change to drink and drive even because you <laughs> you don't have to touch the, the steering wheel. So it can also be po- it is also possible that um, yeah people move outside because it's cheaper there. Yeah, you know major cities it's che- it's expensive to live there, and with all that infrastructure, why should we then move into that cities anymore? Very interesting. That is contradictory. We're going to have to talk about that. James, we're going to have to do a part two with these gentlemen. Had too much information to cover in one hour. I want to say thank you so much to the three of you for being so forthcoming with your point of view, your expertise. Very charming young man. I appreciate that, Mike Eberhardt. Such a pleasure to meet you, Rake. You've been on twice, and you're invited back a third time, as far as I'm concerned. And Jörg Furchow, I hope you'll come back as well. And a shout-out again to James McClellan. Anybody wants to follow the action here, go to hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. I want to do a shout-out to my engineer, Kevin Gassman, at World Talk Radio, the business channel. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This is the end of our broadcast week. I will be broadcasting live from SAP Sapphire in Orlando on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, May 16, 17, 18. We've got over 30 interviews and panel discussions set up. So go to the voiceamerica.com event channel next Tuesday, and you can hear us. You can even see us live and listen, and we'll tell you where to watch us on Amivo Camera, streaming live on Facebook. Wow! Here's my call to action for everybody. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? It's getting late. Go out and be a game changer today. Like James, like Mike, like Rake, like Jörg. Everybody have a great one. See you next week in Orlando. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Game Changing Utilities of the Future presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Thursdays on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.